Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. This week, Pastor Tom is giving us a sobering look into the signs of Bible prophecy happening all around us today. Let's get started. I just want to do a prophecy update this evening. So uh, we'll be back in the book of Revelation soon enough. Next Sunday is Easter, a.k.a. Resurrection Sunday. So we have four services all in the morning next week. Instead of having three in the morning, one in the evening, they'll all be in the morning. So we won't have an evening uh, prophecy study next week. Make sense? I hope it makes sense to everybody watching online too. But um, and then we'll be picking up the uh, following Sunday night after that. So we have exciting things that are coming. And we live in an exciting world, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. That's why we're, that's why we're here. So uh, <clears throat> I'm, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you and worship you and, and preach your word and get the word out that Jesus is coming. I pray for your help for my voice and for everybody watching online, for everybody that's in this sanctuary now. May you be blessed and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're just going to get going. We have this prophecy update. When you see these things begin to take place, look up for your redemption draws near. Do I sound like I have, I'm going through puberty or anything? (laughs) So let's see. Let's start looking at some things and we'll start breaking down some things too. From no crisis to breaking point, mainstream media changes its tune on border crisis amid illegal immigration surge. Um, Migrants break border gate, force their way into Mexico. So you and I are watching these things develop here in America. Europe has their own problems. America has theirs. Even Mexico has people coming from the south breaking their way into Mexico as they are attempting to make their way here into uh, the United States of America. <clears throat> Especially, it seems, California, because California tends to have a government that just says we need no borders, need to let everybody in. Uh, a few days ago, President Trump says, okay, <laughs> you guys, you sanctuary cities like San Francisco and California and uh, Sacramento, you want have illegal immigrants, then you can have the illegal immigrants. Suddenly they're saying, well, we don't want them. Well, wait a minute, what is it? Right, so there's a problem. <clears throat> it's called hypocrisy. No matter what side of the political divide you are on, this is extremely hypocritical. Uh, why is it that we suddenly live in a world where we're not supposed to have borders? Countries have borders. That's what makes them countries. Uh, and uh, prior to Trump being president, there's an attempt of the U.S. to have borders by the former administration. Now, the Trump is president. We don't want to have borders. I'm opinionated on this. I, I believe it has something to do with votes. Um, but uh, I look at this, and I cannot help but think of all the problems that are happening with immigration throughout the world. Jesus said that one of the signs of his coming would be nation against nation. We've talked about this before on Sunday nights. The term nation comes from the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get our English word ethnic. It means people group. In the last days, people group 
would be against people group in a way that was so explosive that it would be like birth pains upon a pregnant woman. As she is getting ready to give birth, she would just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That is what we are watching. We are watching the entire continent of the Americas change. South America, Central America, North America. We are watching Europe change. We are watching the Mideast change. We are watching Africa change. These are people group against people group. We are watching not just that, but we are also watching it within political parties, people group against people group, as these things are becoming very, very de divisive. But Jesus said it would be this way. People group against people group like birth pains upon a pregnant woman. This is just one of the many, many signs, I believe, of the second coming of Christ. Also, there is a globalist agenda that makes it clear that uh, we need to remove borders in order to have the globalist uh, agenda uh, brought about. So we're watching the dynamics play out between nationalists and globalists. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're nationalist, you might say, well, I'm a patriot or something like that. Now you're labeled as a Nazi. Uh, that happened to Candace Owens just the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with her. And uh, she sure turned that around on Congress. Um, but you look at this and you're going, this is just insane. But it's a lot of labeling, a lot of word calling. Um, I believe in the United States of America, I, uh, in God I trust, I believe that the United States of America is a great country. Uh, I believe that God has done remarkable things through the United States of America. I still believe that we are all corrupt people. And uh, we are watching what is happening to our government regardless of anything. And, um, and it's very unfortunate to see what is happening. I think people would label me as a patriot or a nationalist in the sense of this. I believe in the national uh, America. I do not believe in the globalist agenda because I know where the globalist agenda is headed. I know where the globalist agenda is headed because I know what the Bible says. And that is what is so concerning to me. The globalist agenda is about the time when the Antichrist will receive the power from the ten elitists that are running the globe, uh, the, the world, um, as, and we'll see that as we get further into this as we look at a new world order. But we, we see this, and we see what the Bible says. <clears throat> so many things are pointing to these things that we look at as being political, what they really are is spiritual. And their spiritual things are going on behind the scenes. And we are watching people being moved like uh, chess pieces on a, on a chess board. And that's what we're watching. That's just one of the many things. This is from the Israel Wire. Sweden's Lutheran Church queers Jesus in the Bible for LGBT kids. Another sign, oh, excuse me, cough drop. Another sign that Jesus tells us in the Olivet Discourse is that in the last days there will be false Christ. In other words, false messages of the gospel and false leaders of those things. We're seeing it happen within the church in America in the sense of, oh, it's Jesus plus this, or all roads lead to heaven, those things are coming from the pulpit. But there's a new gospel uh, that's, that's really taking this to another level. We're, we're watching it with this uh, gentleman who has thrown his hat into the ring running for president. I believe he's a mayor out of uh, Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. And, um, and he is accusing Mike Pence of having, 
I don't know, a false Christianity or something like that. I don't understand all the details. And uh, because uh, the mayor is gay and he's equating true Christianity, this is what true Christianity is, and Mike Pence's Christianity is a false Christianity. But we are seeing this happen So uh, in Sweden, but you're seeing it happen within the churches. And this is what Jesus said. In the last days, like birth pains upon a pregnant woman, would false Christ be arising, false messages of the gospel. They wouldn't be the true gospel. Uh, so we're watching these things. They are exploding. They're being, uh, becoming enormous uh, problems uh, in this world. California bill would force every university to offer free abortions to students. Um, now, listen, this really shouldn't surprise us, right? We've seen what New York did, what Vermont did, Virginia, New Mexico has attempted to do. Um, this is university with free abortions. That, that's not a surprise to me at all. But when we look at the subject of abortion, hear me out for a minute. Let's put this into an understanding. Here's this. Preborn turtle is a $100,000 fine in one year in prison, right? Uh, Preborn eagle, $250,000 fine, two years in prison. Preborn human, zero penalties. And when you, you look at these things, it makes no sense. So there are people who say that you can't eat meat. Um, and I have friends that are vegans, right? So I, I, I mean, and they've cooked me some really good food, and they say, Tom, you'd be healthier if you'd eat this stuff. They're probably right. You know, get away from all your cheeseburgers, maybe. But man, cheeseburgers taste so much better than broccoli. I'm just saying. But they say you can't eat like an, an egg, an ex, uh, uh, a vegan, not just a vegetarian. We can't have an egg, some will say, because it would have a face if the egg develops into a chicken. But the same people are usually saying it's okay to abort a baby. It, 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 the hypocrisy of these arguments is, is uh, pretty alarming. But you look at it at the same time, and we know what the Bible speaks of judgment, the final judgment, and it's, it's very sad. Because these very words that people are using for something like that, it's okay to kill a baby, but you've got to save a turtle, an unborn turtle, or you go to jail. It, you know, judges that are making these laws and these types of things are taking place. These words will be used against them on the spiritual judgment day. And people need prayer. Good news is, uh, this is from Chicks on the Right, abortion clinic workers are quitting their jobs after seeing pro-life movie Unplanned. Um, there is hope. And, you know, I, I, I'm watching people who are young, high schoolers, and I am seeing certain things. I was talking with some high schoolers just recently and about certain things that are out there in the news that we talk about here. And I asked, well, what do you think about these? These things are so stupid. They're looking at the generations that's just ahead of them. And they're going, these things don't even make any sense. And I'm thinking, well, maybe if the Lord isn't going to return really soon, maybe the Lord's working in the next generation that's coming up and giving them sense to look at these things and go, wow, something weird is going on. I know right here at our own church, I'm watching what God is doing with our high schoolers and junior hires, and it's fantastic. And I, and, and I hear things like this, and I think, you know, maybe, you know, if you're not coming right now, Lord, please do something with this next generation to, to save this place in the meantime. Uh, then there's this, 
And uh, no matter, here's, here's what I want to say about this. This does not matter if you're Democrat or Republican. In fact, now what you have is uh, you have the radical right, you have the right, you have the liberal, and you have the leftists. And, and you look at the leftist agenda, you know, thinking, oh, hey, it's, it's not the same as the Democrat was. Uh, there's, some, there's some just crazy things that are out there. But here's what's alarming about this, whether you're Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. Uh, Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives are demanding to know why Fox News did not publish a story prior to the 2016 election about an alleged affair years before between porn star uh, Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. Well, why didn't you release that information is basically what they're saying. Here's the most alarming point about this. They want oversight of Fox News editorial decisions. This should scare everybody. Because this is controlling speech. This is exactly what Hitler did. And this is what any government must do in order to control the people. This is what dictators do in, in countries when they are controlling the people. This is what has been going on in China for a long time. And now with their social credit system, they have just upped the ante on this. And now we watch the halls of Congress saying, uh, this is what we want to do. We want to be able to control the propaganda of what goes out there so we make sure everybody hears what we want them to hear. So I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, this should bother you. I don't know why the ACLU doesn't say, wait a minute, our freedom of speech is going away. But uh, you look at this and you go, uh, these are certainly some alarming things. So as we, as we look at these things uh, and we consider um, what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 24, for example, Jesus says this in verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, it puts forth the leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Every news story I showed you over the last few minutes, uh, you can point through the Bible and say, wait a minute, Jesus warned about this, and the Bible warned about that, and the Old Testament warned about that as, be sign, as being signs to leading up to the second coming of Christ. Again, Jesus says, so you also know when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means ever pass away. So what is Jesus talking about there? Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. Uh, what he's given in Matthew chapter 24 uh, is also a Mark, record Mark 13 and Luke 21, uh, different details of the sermon. It's called the Olivet Discourse. He's on the Mount of Olives, and uh, in whether they're sitting around a circle with his disciples or they're, or they're lined up like this and he's sitting down and telling them, some of them would have been facing this wall right here, which is a temple mount which existed at the time of Jesus. At the time of Jesus, there was not this gold dome. There was a temple. But in the Olivet Discourse, we'll see that in a minute, Jesus said this temple is going to be gone. And it was gone. And now we have in a place, we have that, the, the gold dome. 
But all of it, or the, um, excuse me, the, the Temple Mount was there. Jesus and the disciples would have been looking at that. They were talking about the temple being here, and Jesus began to give them signs. They were sitting somewhere on the Mount of Olives. This is the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane is over here. Somewhere on the Mount of Olives, they are sitting there, and they are having this conversation. I, I find this so, so fascinating to me. This speech from Jesus in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, was given somewhere between Palm Sunday, which is today, and uh, Thursday, uh, as Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples. Somewhere between Sunday and Thursday of the equivalent of this week. You're looking and go, wow, this is just crazy stuff. Hence, this is called the Olivet Discourse because that's the Mount of Olives, and that is where Jesus was giving this conversation. I believe... Um, that we live in the most exciting days that a person could live. I believe we are on the cusp of the return of our Savior. Uh, we're going to look at some more signs here in just a minute, several more, but I want to establish a few things before we get going. Note that a proper understanding of the Olivet Discourse, uh, it, helps us, it would help us to know some facts. Here's some facts. Jesus was speaking to his apostles about a specific time in the future. Jesus was answering the question that the disciples had regarding when will he return. Jesus gave specific signs to look for. The signs Jesus gave will be observable by a certain people. The signs Jesus gave, oops, uh, signs Jesus gave will have their culmination all within the same time frame as the generation of the people of the last days. The signs Jesus gave alert anyone in that specific generation to his soon coming. The relevance of the signs is dependent upon the Jews being back in the land called Israel at a time when they also possess Jerusalem. I'm not going to set a date for the return of the Lord. I think that would be a mistake. But I will say that I believe uh, the things that we look at in the Bible speak of the days in which we live. Hence, Jesus said in verse 33, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. I believe uh, the time is near. I, I believe even at the doors. So I want to answer one question before we go into some more signs. It's this. What did Jesus mean when he said, when you see all these things? It's a good question. There's apparently, according to his own words, there is a generation of people that will see all these things converging at the same time. So what does it mean to converge all at the same time? Uh, to get a prophetic understanding uh, for this, you just go to, to uh, a Webster's Dictionary. Convergence, it means to move toward one point and join together, to come together and meet. To meet or come together to form a crowd or group, to come together and have one interest, one purpose, or one goal. So, so this makes it much easier to understand what Jesus is speaking about. He is speaking about a time when all the signs listed in the Bible regarding his second coming come together or meet at one point in time as a crowd or group, all separate signs in and of themselves. 
everything I showed you in the beginning was a separate thing in and of itself. But all of those separate things happening at the same time with one purpose and one goal at a time when the Jews were back in the land. And they have the city of Jerusalem. And their purpose is to let us know one thing. That Jesus is coming. So, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says this. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. See, your house is left to you desolate. In other words, the Jews will be dispersed, which they were. For I say to you, you will see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Very interesting, because on Palm Sunday, they were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but they really didn't receive him as a nation. They were looking for something else. Jesus is saying, no, you will say it in the future, and I'm going to return then when you actually mean it. Then Jesus went out and he departed from the temple. And his disciples came to, up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, remember the picture of the Mount of Olives? The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age? When will it happen? What is the sign of your coming? In other words, when are you, what's the sign of you coming again? Because he's there right then. He's talking about when you're coming back, and the end of the age. Interesting. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. We talked about that. Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. The term beginning of sorrows is used in a reference to birth pains upon a pregnant woman. In other words, when you see all of these things taking place, converging at a particular time, and it looks like a woman about ready to give birth in the, in the sense of world events, like they're all escalating, like nation against nation, and the other things that we just looked at, it says, you better look out, I'm coming. So key to understanding this is, uh, when will these things be? Uh, the destruction of the temple. Because Jesus, he's, he's talking about the temple. He says, not one stone will be left upon another, right? That happened in 70 AD by the Romans. But then they say, what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Tell us what to look for. What points to you coming again? So the Bible gives us over 800 signs regarding the second coming of Christ. And folks, it looks like they are all beginning to converge right uh, now. Um, when you see them all, you know it's happening. My coming is near. It is even at the doors. So what is the purpose of the prophetic signs converging? Is to let us know 
real simple, that Jesus is coming. Okay, one more thing before we move on. Last thing before we move on to the rest of the signs I want to look at tonight. People will tell you all the time, it is a waste of time for you to study Bible prophecy. Book of Revelation is a waste. Why waste your time with these things? That's just a bunch of hogwash. We got a lot of other things going on in this world. Don't, uh, it's a distraction. You can't possibly understand it. Um, the, uh, Jesus doesn't even want, God doesn't even want you to know these things. Then why did he give us over 800 signs? This is what Jesus himself said. In Matthew 24, he said, watch. In Matthew 24, verse 44, be ready. Matthew 25, verse 13, watch. Mark 13, 33, watch and pray. Mark, verse 35, watch. Mark 13, verse 37, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Why would Jesus say watch, give us the signs, and then say don't watch? He'd be a liar. If you fall into that, you're being deceived. And there are a lot of people out there in Christian world that, that don't believe you should be looking at these things that Jesus tells us to. In the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, that there is a promise of blessing for all those who read, hear, and keep the words of that book, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 19, is a spirit of prophecy and reveals to us how it's all going to go down in the last days. God, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to watch and pray and be ready and all these things. Book of Revelation says you're going to be blessed if you read, study, and if, if you read here and keep the words of this book. Why would you not do it? Well, some guy told me it's a waste of time. Well, Jesus tells me it's not a waste of time. Jesus tells me you better be paying attention. And he promises a blessing for those who pay attention. And speaking about the great tribulation that's coming on the earth, Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted as worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. That's Jesus talking. That's not a pastor making up some words and saying, well, you should do this because I think it's a good idea. It's crazy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, we're told, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I don't want to be spiritually asleep. I want to be spiritually alert. Uh, think of these words. Right? Let me share this with you. This is from Terry James. He wrote this just the other day. <clears throat> There is, according to some observers, a developing mindset among people in general that something wicked this way comes, as William Shakespeare put it. We can see this growing angst reflected in the words of U.S. House of Representatives, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others. Uh, they are so concerned about the coming destruction of planet Earth within 12 years, Cortez says that they offer uh, these insane fixes, he writes, to prevent the Earth's demise. She and some of the others have declared they will work to do away with all airplane travel. They're determined to stop or curtail at least the eating of meat. Uh, we need, uh, they believe, fewer cattle on the planet because of the cow's ahem, flatulence, which they believe adds to the methane buildup and other things destroying the, breathabil the breathability of the air. Um, there's probably more people on the planet than cows, so you've got to deal with that problem, yeah. just saying. Uh, their plans... Uh, if, if they were possible to accomplish and were implemented, would cost upwards of $100 trillion. This amount is considered woefully low in estimation of many who study such things. 
the doing away with airplane travel, travel by automobile, and other uh, such stratagem uh, for saving the planet are just the tip of the uh, supposedly melting iceberg in their plans to change the way life is conducted on Earth. Worries of future worldwide catastrophe isn't confined to Ms. Cortez or her, uh, her colleagues. A recent news item tells of a growing anxiety that something wicked this way comes. In what may seem as an ominous case of synchronicity, earthquake and tsunami drills uh, were held, tsunami drills, excuse me, were held all over the world in the last month. On Wednesday, this is last Wednesday, tens of thousands of residents in, of Oakland, California, were shocked two Wednesdays back when their cell phones buzzed with a message, there had been no earthquake. Earthquake drills were also held in other places around the U.S., including Connecticut and Colorado. Uh, and also that same week, sections of the East Coast, including New Jersey and the Virgin Islands, held tsunami drills. Over the last month, a major drill preparing for earthquakes and tsunamis was held throughout the Philippines for the first time. Over the last two months, drills were held in Indonesia, Dominican Republic, Trinidad, Tobago, several, uh, and several other nations. Israel was also part of this informal global seismic drill. Two weeks ago, the, now three weeks back, the home front command held a tsunami exercise in schools throughout the country for the first time. The growing alarm among those in Israel, as well as among the people of the world at large, was brought to the attention of journalist Yuvai Ovida. He's an Israeli researcher who has produced films on feared disasters that might be in prospect for the planet. Ovida has been tracking such drills and government preparations as part of his research into the subject of the pre-Messiah astronomical event. Ovida commented, everyone secular and religious from every country is talking about the end of days. It is clear that there is some knowledge out there driving this. So many governments are preparing for a global crisis, something unprecedented. Uh, the governments making these drills now, that's something big uh, is, know that the governments making these drills now know that something big is coming. And you look at these things, and I know what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches what Jesus said. When you see all these things taking place, look up, for your redemption is near, even at the doors. So as we've got a little bit of that behind us, let's look at a few things. Uh, the Bible talks about a new world order, a.k.a. deep state. You could think, that's conspiracy talk. Well, you can call it whatever you want, but the Bible warns us of this. Um, Revelation chapter 13. We know that there's a false prophet and a false Christ, the Antichrist. They're going to rise up to the top of a heap. We know from Revelation chapter 17, especially if you've been here on Sunday nights, that there are 10 elite rulers or, or kings that are controlling the globe. It's the global system. We know that from Daniel chapter uh, from Daniel chapter 7, 8, and 9 also. And chapter 11, we, we can see the whole thing developing. Daniel chapter 12, Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 13, all the way back to the book of Genesis with the Tower of Babel, as Satan had his original plan for a global order at Babel, and God ruined that. Man has been trying to get back together with this global order again, uh, but without God. So everything's going that way. And we know the Bible says it's going to go that way. They even recognize that in Russia. TASS reports that Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says a new world order is being formed as Western model of society is dying. I don't know if he's read the Bible. I kind of doubt it, 
but I believe he's right. Because that is exactly what it appears is happening, exactly as the Bible says. Out of the ashes is going to form this new world order. Uh, something else that we have uh, in the Bible is the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast is simply, if you know Bible prophecy, you know this, right? You know that the Bible speaks of um, the time coming when no one will be able to buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast on their right hand or forehead. That technology is available now to totally implement now. People, I remember decades ago, people said, well, the mark of the beast was your social security card. And then they said it was um, your ATM card. Anybody remember that? And then it's the barcode on your products. Listen, it's beyond all of those things. I believe it, it may be a form of an RFID chip where you're trapped, but the, the thing is the databases are all here. And guess what? Pretty much everybody, your information is out there. You might think, well, I don't have a smartphone. Well, it doesn't really matter. You think, you think Google and Amazon and, and um, Apple and, and everything else out there doesn't know about you? Listen, they all got shared information. You think the governments don't know about you? Does your bank know about you? Have you ever bought a car? Were you ever born? If you're born, you're in a database. And you're not going to escape these things. And that's the reality of it. And we live in a generation, for the first time ever, we literally can be absolutely controlled on what we buy or sell. Uh, Amazon workers are listening to what you tell Alexa. Uh, is that news? No, we know these things, right? But the Bible warns us about days like this. Here's this one. Planet of the Apes fears as Chinese scientists implant human brain genes into monkeys. I, I, I got I to read this to you, all right? But, I, but, I, but let me read a couple other things first. This is on facial recognition. It's coming to hotels to make check-in easier and much creepier. And we, we, we know about facial recognition at airports. Listen, I, all right, you're going to hate me for this. I'm so tired of airport lines. I'm so tired of pulling out my information. Then you go pull it out again. Then you got to take off your shoes. And then I, it's like, look, just take a picture of my face like you have on my phone, and let me just walk through the line, right? So we're going to want these things because they make life more convenient. But Alibaba has created the hotel of the future and it's wild, wonderful, and just a little bit creepy. And, and I, I don't have time to read this whole thing, but you don't have to get a, a key from the hotel lobby anymore. All you got to do is scan, I don't have my phone up here, but you scan your face on your phone. Anybody have a phone where you just get your facial recognition besides me? You're the only one here? Listen, you're not going to hell because you got a phone like that, all right? <laughs> all right, I, you know what, <laughs> Rory, it's, it's a great device. I just look at it and it goes on. I don't have to do nothing with it anymore. But these things, listen, if you don't have one now, everything's coming that way. You're going to look at your door and it's going to open. You're going to look at your car, it's going to start. And, uh, but now you can get to check in a hotel. Just, just by looking, you'll be traveling. It's got a mark on your forehead, a scan, or your right hand. You see all this. It, it, you know, and um, in all my travels with, with Pastor Craig, for example, we've been going to Orange County a lot for the last couple of years, uh, probably ending soon. Um, um, and, uh, but it tracks him. 
It tells Craig how long it's going to take to get to the uh, bakery that we're going to. He doesn't ask. He just gets in the car. It's Tuesday morning at whatever time, and says, it's going to take you this long to get to that bakery. I have, I have, I yelped a restaurant one time. Now, every time I'm anywhere, suddenly I get, hey, within 200 feet is this restaurant. 50 feet to your left is this restaurant, right? And you got all this stuff going on. Now, we're being tracked. Um, but, but check this out. I got I, the Planet of the Apes thing, right? Let's get back to this. Researchers in the Far East have successfully implanted human brain genes into monkeys. The procedure was part of a study aimed at, at getting insights into the unique evolution of human intelligence. However, the test has sparked fierce ethical debate, indeed, with some comparing them to dystopian sci-fi uh, movie franchise Planet of the Apes. In the films, uh, humans clash with a new breed of super-intelligent apes in the fight for power. Dr. Jacqueline Glover, a University of Colorado bioethicist, told MIT Technology Review, you just go to the planet of apes immediately in the popular imagination. You're thinking, this is crazy. To humanize them is to cause harm. Where would they live? What would they do? Do not uh, create a being that can't have a meaningful life to, uh, in any context. The study researchers inserting human versions into the rhesus monkey, scientists believe this gene, MCPH1, into 11 rhesus monkeys, believe this gene aids in the development of the human brain. You start looking at it, you're going, so this is where we are. That's what we need. Don't we, we already got, a, we need a planet of the apes? I mean, we got enough morons here already, but the, they might be smarter. They might be, probably be smarter than, I mean, you can figure it out. You know, you see, man, maybe it would be a good idea. I, I, don't, I just see, but you see the technology. Then there's this, on December 26, 2018, so a couple months back, three months back, it was reported, three, uh, four months, that the UN is working with a global firm called Accenture to develop, Bill Gates is involved in this, talked about Accenture before, to develop and implement a global ideas, ID system and database that will be forced on everyone on Earth by 2030. A global database forced by 2030. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, by 2030, we're all going to die. People are jumping on the bandwagon, we're all going to get die. We need to bring Agenda 2030, the climate change laws, or we're all going to die by 2030. Get that. Everything is going in a particular direction. Remember what the idea is, everything converging at the same time, all with one purpose and one goal to tell of one story. In this case, that one story is this, Jesus is coming. And everything's going the same direction. Uh, then we have pestilence. Um, here's this. Uh, medieval diseases flare as unsanitary living conditions proliferate. We are hearing more and more of this. Jesus said, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, pestilence would be one of those things that would intensely increase like birth pains upon a pregnant woman. Five old-time diseases that are making a comeback. Um, Congo's Ebola outbreak might be declared a global emergency. Uh, we, we don't hear much about the Congo. We don't hear much about uh, the Sudan and these areas in Africa because they're in Africa. And as far as the Western world goes, I don't care what anybody propagates through politics, people in the Western world don't care what goes on in Africa. 
and you want to know it is very problematic. And these, we, we just ignore it. We sweep it under the rug. Um, and it's, it's a breeding ground for these kind of disease problems, too. I look at this, and it's a terrible thing. A top Red Cross official says he's more concerned than I've ever been about the possible regional spread of the Ebola virus after a new spike in cases. Uh, he said on uh, uh, Friday, this is just the other day, um, about the possible regional spread of virus after a new spike in cases as the World Health Organization met on whether to declare the outbreak in Congo an international health emergency. Emmanuel Capobianco, Capobianco, excuse me, head of the health and care at the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, cited Congolese health ministry statistics, excuse me, statistics. He called that rate of current outbreak unprecedented uh, in, in, uh, from what we are watching, unprecedented. Um, so you look at these things, Jesus says this is going to happen. I was watching mainstream media about three weeks ago, and they said on mainstream media, we've been talking about pestilence outbreak and warning about these signs because we read about them. We see them. I see these things. Mainstream media is finally starting to say, uh, Houston, we have a problem with these things. Science cannot control these things, and scientists are constantly saying, look, these, we are going to have some major, major pestilence outbreaks. They're going to be really, really bad. So bad that World Health Organization says that what is coming on this world is apocalyptic, and we will not be able to stop it. That is what scientists are now saying. And uh, you hear these things, and people are just, ah, life goes on as usual. Jesus said all these things will be converging. And they have a purpose, to tell us that he is coming. We have Russia, Iran, Israel, and Trump. So let's see if I can go through this uh, quickly. Um, I will, because I need to get you out of here pretty soon. Israel launches overnight airstrikes on Syria just after Netanyahu's uh, re-election. Uh, this is from just yesterday, this article was. But I, I read these things. This wasn't in Damascus, but whenever I hear about Israel going after launching something into Syria, I cannot help but think Isaiah chapter 17, where the Bible is very clear that one night, in the course of one night, um, there's overnight airstrikes, Damascus is going to be destroyed by Israel, and a war is going to break out that's also going to be very destructive to the northern parts of Israel. But I want you to think of this with me for just a minute. All right? We talked a little bit about this on Sunday nights, but let me show you a little bit more. Um, in the, in the little bit of time we have. Here's a picture of Israel. So what do you have? You have occupied territory, occupied territory, or not occupied anymore. Occupied territory, occupied territory, right? At least that's what the UN wants us to believe. So Donald Trump moves the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That got a lot of people really upset. Um, uh, Donald Trump then recently said the Golan, occupied territory, said that the Golan is not occupied territory. It also belongs to Israel. Um, I, I've talked about this before, but this has Russia and the UN very, very upset. I think it's very significant for various reasons. Uh, but in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, we know that Russia and Iran and Turkey, the main powers of the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39, are going to invade Israel for the purpose of taking plunder, some goods that Israel has. In the Golan Heights, 
Israel has major oil finds. They also have, out in the Mediterranean, their major, biggest, I think it's the biggest gas find ever yet. And they are already contracting with Greece and with Europe to supply Greece and Europe with natural gas, which cuts off the opportunity for Russia to be able to supply Europe with natural gas. Russia has had Europe in the stranglehold. They've had to buy gas from Russia. Not anymore. Now they get to buy from Israel. Uh, Russia's economy is terrible, absolutely terrible. To have their gas uh, revenues cut off by Israel, because Israel's now going to supply Europe, that puts Putin in a very, very, very bad position. God said this, I will turn you around, the leader of Russia, I will pull you down, I will bring you down into the land where the Jews have inhabited the land again, I will bring you to battle on the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 38 says the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 39 says the mountains of Israel. And the reason is for plunder, a good that Israel has that Russia desperately needs. Russia is in dire straits. Not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, Venezuela crisis. I, I don't know if you're paying attention to this. It's a big deal. Russian military planes are near Caracas in Venezuela, Right? What's, um, what happens? Uh, Trump tells Russia to get his troops out of Venezuela. What's going on there? Venezuela is rich in oil. I look at this as being real simple. Russia says, okay, uh, we got a problem with oil. We got a problem with gas. Our economy stinks. Let's go steal Venezuela's oil. They go. They, they need to. They, they need it. They go in there. Trump says, not so fast. You're not going to do that. God says, I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to pull you into Israel. It's like Russia is going everywhere they can to solve their economic problems, including the, economic, the problem of plunder. God says, no, you're not going to Venezuela. No, you're not going into Europe. You are going to come into Israel, and you are going to have a fight on the Golan Heights. You are going to have a fight, God's very specific, on the mountains of Israel. I think it's, very, I think it's just fascinating that God didn't say the mountains of the occupied territory, the mountains of Syria, the mountains of anyone else. God said the mountains of Israel. Could God fulfill his prophecy if Trump didn't call that the mountains of Israel? Absolutely. The battle's going to be there. God still recognizes the Golan Heights as mountains of Israel, whether or not Trump ever did. But I find it very interesting how God fulfills so many different details about uh, Bible prophecy. Uh, fascinating days we live in. But God is turning Putin around every direction he seems to be going for plunder. Stop, you're not going there. You are going there. In Ezekiel chapter 39, you know what happens? God whoops them. Uh, it looks like Israel's going to lose this massive battle, and God steps in and gives them victory, and they turn and they praise the Lord. It's fabulous. But we don't have time to go there. Um, Anti Semitism will increase in the last days. Uh, we have been watching that. I was talking with one of my Jewish friends yesterday. And uh, he was talking about the anti-Semitism he's faced in, in California. He's now living in Texas. I said, what's it like there? He says, not as bad as California. And um, I said, seriously? He said, yeah, but he says he, he, he doesn't dress with all this orthodox garb that he used to dress in because he says it's just, you know, a little bit rough sometimes. But I said, you know, it's going to get worse. I know, I know. And I, I said, it's going to get worse. But also, uh, persecution against Christians is only going to get worse, too. The two groups that persecution will increase against in the last days are Christianity 
and Judaism. And don't have enough time to go into that today, but it advances from anti-Semitism to anti-Zionism. I'm not sure if I talked about this here before or not, but this is, what it, this is how it works. In Zechariah chapter 12, God said that the whole world would be against Israel and against Jerusalem. Jerusalem would become a stumbling stone. Anti-Semitism exists everywhere out in the world. It has as long as the Jews have been dispersed to the four corners of the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 28, God said, I will make you a byword everywhere you go if you're disobedient to me. That has happened to the Jewish people. Everywhere they've gone, anti-Semitism, they've become a byword, right? And you see that. But in the last days, Zechariah chapter 12, it's not just anti-Semitism, it's going to be anti-Zionism. Jerusalem will become a stumbling block to the world. That is what you and I are watching now. People are saying the Jews have no right to Jerusalem. The, the Jews need to get out of the land of Israel. It is now anti-Zionism, exactly as God said it would be in the last days. Anti-Semitism stepped up. Anti-Zionism, the Jews don't even have right to their own land. See how that's going? And we hear it all the time. If you're a Christian who believes in these things, you're labeled uh, an evil Christian Zionist. And uh, any Jew who believes they have a right to the land of Israel is labeled a radical, evil Zionist. Let me tell you this. God is the original Zionist. God says, Zion is mine. Jerusalem, Israel is mine, and I've given it to my people. I've chosen them for my purposes. But the world is saying, you don't even have right to the land. You don't have a right to exist anyway, anywhere. Um, and I think uh, just two more things. We have the Jerusalem peace plan. Uh, so what's going on with the Jerusalem peace plan? I, I don't know everything. Isn't that a shock? So Trump has a plan. A lot of reports that I've read are to divide the land of Jerusalem. Okay. Here's the problem with that. God says, you mess with my land, Jerusalem, I'm going to mess you up. In Joel chapter 3, you divide my land, I'm going to mess you up really bad. Um. And everything I'm reading, it appears that Trump's peace plan is to divide the land of Jerusalem. It cannot be good for Trump. It cannot be good for America if this thing goes that way. But step in Mike Pompeo, who's a Christian. Um, Pompeo, in testimony to Senate, refuses to back two-state solution. He's refusing to say, divide the land of Jerusalem. After Netanyahu pledges to extend Israeli territory over West Bank settlements, the Secretary Pompeo says that ultimately the Israelis and the Palestinians will decide how to resolve this. From what I understand, he has urged Trump, listen, dividing Jerusalem is not going to go well for you. Let me show you what this says. This is what this says is going to happen to you and America. I mean, I don't know if he did that. I've heard he did that. But I look at this and Pompeo is saying, uh-uh, you're not getting my blessing. I've read the Bible and I know what happens. I find that so fascinating, don't you? But we're going to watch because this peace plan, it looks like it's going to come sooner or later. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Let's go to the last thing. I want to get you guys out of here. You probably all want to leave too. Uh, well, you got to leave and I want to get this fixed. So there. 
Uh, the third temple to be built. So let's think about this. Gosh, I have to do this so fast. Um, that's on top of the Temple Mount. That gazebo you're looking at, you see the big gold dome of the rock in the back, but the gazebo you're looking at is called the Dome of the Tablets or the Dome of the Spirits. Uh, both the Jews and Arabs call that gazebo the Dome of the Tablets and Dome of the Spirits. It appears that they both believe that's where the Holy of Holies once existed. Um, uh, the Dome of the Tablets referring to the Ten Commandments, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant with the commandments in it, the tablets in it, Dome of the Spirits being the Shekinah glory of God, where the Holy of Holies would be. find that interesting. That's uh, one theory. Asher Kaufman holds that. I talked with Don Stewart about that one night. He did the study with Asher Kaufman, uh, looking at that as probably being the Holy of Holies. Uh, there's a, a model. You, you, can, you can build the, the temple with the Holy Holies where that dome is and still keep the gold dome there. If you know Revelation chapter 11, the, the outside of the Jewish part of the temple is given over to the Gentiles and it would fit right there. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem and you do the under the Temple Mount tour with me, you get to see how it all fits. They actually have a model. They pull it up and they fit it right next to the gold dome. You look, you go, oh wow, that's totally, totally cool. Um, so the temple is going to be built, right? There's a lot of talk about the building of the temple. Um, it's going to be built. I do not know when it's going to be built. I believe, personally, it could be built any day. I believe we could wake up tomorrow. I don't believe that the rapture is dependent upon when the temple is built. I do believe that the Antichrist will sit in the temple at the midpoint of the tribulation. And, uh, you know, that's three and a half years into the tribulation. But the temple could be built. Some of my, my colleagues say the temple can't be built until we're gone. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see why that has to be that way. I know there's a problem with the red heifer, which I don't have time to get into tonight, being able to worship at the Holy of Holies and so forth. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant hasn't been found yet, which quite frankly doesn't really matter because in the second temple, the temple that was around when Jesus was alive, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't in there either. Did you know that? So the Ark of the Covenant doesn't have to be found, although I think it'd be really cool if the Ark of the Covenant was found. Um, but nevertheless, there is a temple that's going to be built. By the way, I'll get into this sometime when I talk about the temple a little bit, or maybe next, the next Sunday night we're back, is a lot of people I talk to, there's a popular theory right now that the temple was not built on the Temple Mount. And you see it all over YouTube, and you know money is made on those videos, and there's books that are written about them. Listen, I personally believe it's just a bunch of hogwash. When the Romans destroyed the temple, did you know they piled dung on the Temple Mount to, de to desecrate the Temple Mount so the Jews wouldn't build the temple there again? Why would they do that if they thought the temple wasn't there? Because they tore the temple down. That's why it was done. And you can look at that in history. And you look at these things, go, so people say the temple wasn't on the Temple Mount. I think... Um, you know, personally, I think it's a bunch of malarkey. Right now, people are probably blogging and saying, uh, I, I'm a liar. Well, you know, you know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so it's just, let's move on with this, all right? I want to close out with this thought. When we think of the Temple Mount and the temple being built, right now, we, the dome is there. Eventually, there will be a temple there. Um, no, by the way, that's just a picture. In case you're wondering, are they building the temple now? No, that's just a picture. Uh, but there's the gold dome. You see, the, you see the, the wall of the Temple Mount. Again, same picture we showed you earlier. Um, 
I want you to see this. This is pretty cool. Okay, over to the right here is, this is the uh, Eastern Gate or the Golden Gate. Right there, right? And then back up, it would be right over here. Right, so we get a close-up. This is the Eastern Gate or the Golden Gate. See, it's all sealed. Um, here's a close-up of that gate. Uh, this is a gate that you see when you're in Jerusalem, one of the places you visit. But Damon Duck wrote this about the Eastern Gate, and I just think it's very fascinating. Just give me five minutes. Will you give me five more minutes? Because this is just interesting. He wrote Ezekiel chapter 44, records a very interesting prophecy about that gate. Quoting, then he brought me back the way of the gate, this is Ezekiel, of the outward sanctuary which looketh toward the east and was shut, this is King James. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in it, in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered by it. Therefore it shall be shut. I want you to know it's shut. It is for the prince. The prince, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate and shall go out by the way of the same. The Lord was saying, he says this, this is commentary, that there will come a time when the eastern gate will be shut because the Messiah passed through it. And then he says that Jesus passed through it in his triumphal entry. I believe he's right. This morning I said he passed when the Lions Gate. I actually believe he passed on the Palm Sunday Road. He passed in through the uh, eastern gate. And then he says this, after the Messiah passed through it, no one will pass through it until the Messiah comes back. He says this, in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in a temple. In 1517, the Ottoman Empire took over the Middle East. At some point in the 1530s or 1540s, the Turkish ruler Suleiman, the Magnificent, heard that the Jews believed that their Messiah would come from the east and pass through the eastern gate. Uh, Christians believe that will be at the second coming of Christ. When he returns, he goes to the Mount of Olives and he's going to go through the eastern gate. Suleiman didn't want the Jewish Messiah to pass through the eastern gate, so he ordered his people to shut it up and seal it. They closed it in with bricks, but that was just one part of the prophecy. The other part of the prophecy said that the eastern gate will remain shut until the Messiah appears and passes through it. Until then, in 1967, both Jordan and Israel almost opened the eastern gate, but both nations failed, and it's still shut. He says this, this is how Jordan failed. Jordan controlled East Jerusalem. Jordan's king wanted to open the eastern gate and build a hotel against the inside of the wall so that people could enter his hotel through the eastern gate. Jordan's king sent workmen, equipment, and materials to the eastern gate to knock out the bricks and open it up. The workmen moved their equipment and materials to the gate and left it there for the night. They intended to go back the next day to break the gate open. That night, the 1967 war between Israel and Jordan broke out. Israel captured uh, East Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. The king's crew could no longer go back and bust out the bricks. This is how Israel failed. In the 1967 war broke out, Israeli troops captured the Temple Mount, and some of Israel's military leaders wanted to blow open the eastern gate to send tanks and troops through it for an attack on Jordan. Other Israeli military leaders were aware that the scriptures say that the gate remained shut until the Messiah appears and passes through it. Israel's military leaders discussed blowing up the eastern gate, but the leaders there were familiar with the scriptures, and they won the battle. Israel, so they said, don't do it. We know what the Bible says. 
Israel attacked Jordan from a different location. The Jordanian troops were caught by surprise and Israel won the war. Since capturing it, Israel has not allowed the eastern gate to be open. Okay, you still tracking with me? Following the 1967 war, Israel agreed to let Jordan administer activities on the Temple Mount, and Jordan agreed to let Israel be in charge of the security on the Temple Mount, and the two nations also agreed to maintain the status quo on the Temple Mount. That's the Wake, then the Jordanian, the Hasmanian Kingdom. In 2005, the Palestinians tried to occupy an area on the Temple Mount just inside the Eastern Gate. Israel wouldn't allow the Palestinians to occupy the area, the area so the Palestinians rioted. The disagreement went to court. A judge ordered the area next to the Eastern Gate closed to everyone. Israel installed a fence with an iron gate leading to the Eastern Gate, and access to the area on the inside of the Eastern Gate was blocked off with the fence, a gate, a chain, and a lock. I've seen that. If you've been there, you've probably seen it too, if you've been up on the, on the uh, Temple Mount. Calm prevailed on the eastern side of the Eastern Gate, from 2005 until February of 2019, just a month, two months ago. February 22, the Palestinians rioted, destroyed the lock on the Iron Gate, barring access to the Eastern Gate, took over the area, butting up against the inside of the Eastern Gate. Rumors circulated that the Palestinians intended to build another mosque and hold Muslim prayers inside the Eastern Gate. Uh, did you hear about all this? Prime Minister Netanyahu said he wouldn't allow it, Mr. Netanyahu gave the Palestinians until Monday, March 11, 2019, to leave the area near the Eastern Gate, but they ignored his ultimatum. A group of G Jewish settlers said the Palestinians were breaking their agreement with Israel to keep the status quo by illegally opening the area inside of the Eastern Gate for a mosque and Muslim prayers. It's almost done. They said the status quo that Israel and Jordan agreed to no longer exists. They added that the door is now open for Jews to ignore the status quo and build a synagogue on the Temple Mount for Jewish prayers. They've been talking about this a lot lately. Uh, they said the Israeli government should not agree to any settlement of this issue unless the Jews are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount too. Israel and Jordan started holding high-level talks to resolve the issue, but they can't reach an agreement. March 9, 2019. The king of Jordan went to Washington to seek help to resolve the issue, but he's unable to find help from Trump or his administration. March 11, 2019, Mr. Netanyahu's deadline came for the Palestinians. They were still occupying the, the forbidden area inside the Eastern Gate. Israel had a large number of police and security forces in the area, and it got ugly. On March 12, a protester threw a Molotov cocktail at a police cart in the area. Israeli security forces closed the entrances to the Temple Mount, arrested some protesters, and ordered everyone on the Temple Mount to leave. There was another court hearing, and the court told Israel to keep the area closed. The judge gave Jordan 60 days to respond to the order. So we're about 30 days into it. He writes this, I'm not privy to Palestinian secret schemes and motives, and I don't know how all of this is going to come out. But I do know that Jordan wanted to open the Eastern Gate to send in workers, material, and equipment to build a hotel in 1967. And I tend to believe that opening the Eastern Gate is what the protesters want to do now. I believe their ultimate goal is to thwart prophecy that's in the Bible, and it ain't going to happen. And you look at all of these attempts to blow out, the, blow out those bricks. Uh, the one attempt to seal them up so the Messiah can't get, can't get through it, but the other thing is the Bible says, wait, it would be sealed up until the Messiah comes. So now we've got to get these bricks down. I find this so fascinating. 
you start looking at all these different, excuse me, details in the Bible, and I'm thinking, man, Jesus must be coming quickly. Amen? And uh, over 800 signs of the second coming of Christ. This is just some of them, but we are watching these things converge. They are converging for one purpose, uh, to tell us that Jesus is coming. And he himself said, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.